Macworld Podcast number 331 for December 5th, 2012. Welcome to another Macworld Podcast. I'm Chris Breen. As you're undoubtedly aware, Apple released the latest version of iTunes recently, iTunes 11. And it's quite a bit different from the versions that came before, at least in its appearance. I'm joined today by Kirk McAllern, the guy responsible for Macworld's review of iTunes 11. Let's speak to him now. I'm joined by Kirk McAllern, who is not only Macworld's Ask the iTunes guy, but also the man who penned Macworld's iTunes 11 review, which you can find today on Macworld.com. Welcome, Kirk. Hi, Chris. So um, let's talk very broadly to begin. What's the overall theme of this update? Well, the, the overall theme is pretty much a total makeover of the interface itself, and what I see as a way of approaching iTunes as a tool for casual music fans, for people who are listening to music, not organizing their libraries, for people with small libraries, um, for people with simpler music tastes than, well, you and I, for example. Okay. Um, So, uh, you know, I've noticed that this update has gotten a lot of buzz. And I think maybe even before it was released. And I don't recall people getting quite so head up about an iTunes release in the last couple of years. Is there something specific about this that got people interested and has elicited the kind of feedback Apple's been getting in the last couple of days? Well, this is, without a doubt, the biggest change that we've seen in iTunes in years. Um, Previous upgrades were add a couple new features, add a new view option, um, maybe, you know, they added something like Genius a few years ago and Smart Playlists many years ago. And each time it was just a little bit more. Um, what's happened now is that they've not only presented a new standard default interface, but they've removed a lot of the view options that we had previously. So what's happening is people who were used to managing their libraries in a particular manner all of a sudden find that they can't see their music in the same way. And this is like someone coming into your house and rearranging the furniture in some ways. Yeah, but I think with iTunes 10 and maybe the couple of versions prior to that, people just said, God, this thing is so cluttered. It is, there's so much stuff in here. It's become unmanageable. So I wonder if this is Apple's effort to say, okay, okay, we're going to clean up the interface so that normal users can actually see what they want. Well, what they've done is... You can say that it's cluttered. You can say, I don't like the word bloated because I don't think it's true. Um, iTunes does a lot, and it still does everything it did before. Nothing's changed. Nothing was split out. Um, The store is still part of iTunes, and syncing iOS devices is still part of it. What they've done, though, is that they've imposed more limits as to the way you can view things. Um, With iTunes 10, you had four views. You had a basic list view, which was just a list of songs. Um, you had what was called album list view, which was like the list view, but that displayed album art. And, and this was good because the album art would provide sort of landmarks showing you where each album was split up. Then you had grid view, which is what's the new default view, um, what's now called albums view, where each album is represented just by its album art, just by a graphic. And then you had cover flow view. Um, you know CoverFlow maybe in the Finder. This is the one with the carousel that moves back and forth. Now, I never liked CoverFlow View, and I never used it, and I don't 
I haven't seen a lot of people complaining that that's been gone. Um, the big complaint is that album list view is gone, so you can only view your music as a, a very sterile list with nothing to show where one artist or one album begins or ends, or you can view it in this grid view, or you've got two other artists and genres view, which are sort of like album lists, but you can't sort them in in many ways. So you're really stuck into a much more limited situation than with iTunes 10. And it doesn't cost anything to have these views. They don't. I don't think they confuse people. Most people choose a single view. Or if they want to view different playlists in different ways, they know enough to be able to do that. Okay. Well, let's talk about the high points. Um, what is good in this update? Well... The first thing that's good is that color is back. They've gotten rid of those boring gray icons in the sidebar, um, which give us a lot of hope that we'll get some colored icons back in the finder, which I really miss. Um, another thing is good is that the the way that they have disassociated the the sub-libraries, I'll call them. Your, your iTunes library is everything in iTunes. And the sub-libraries are the music and the movies and the TV shows library. Now, by default... These show up in a pop-up menu, and you choose which one to view. Um, it's easier than the way it was before, where with the sidebar, you would have to click on one of them. Now, you can bring that sidebar back, and a lot of people freaked out um, when they saw it was gone, but that's not the default view. Um, another thing that's good is they've, made a, they've, they've come up with a new way to create playlists, which is actually quite easy to use and maybe more intuitive than in the past. Um, if you're if you don't have the sidebar visible, and this is important. Um, you can create a new playlist, and you'll get a column to the on the right side of the window where you can drag tracks to. So instead of dragging the tracks to a 14 point high line of text in the sidebar when you're going through your library, now you have a whole sidebar on the right where you drag your tracks and you see each one listed. Um, it makes a lot more sense because you can see where they land and you can drag them into a specific order and reorder them easily. Before, you would drag a track onto a playlist in the sidebar. It would go to the end of the playlist and you'd have to switch to the playlist to move it around. So now you can do this more dynamically. Um, it makes it a lot easier to create playlists, um, which you know is one of the big features of iTunes. A lot of people do use playlists to organize their music. Mm-hmm. Now... Before we had iTunes DJ, and they got rid of that, and now we have a queue. So how helpful is that queue? Well, there are a couple of things. It's it's called Up Next, and it's interesting because you can access it from either the iTunes LCD. That's Apple's term for the display thing at the top of the window, the thing that shows the progress bar and all that. So you can access it by clicking an icon there, or you can access it from the new mini player, which we'll talk about later. Um. It's a very neat feature because you can add songs to it easily by dragging them or by option, by selecting a song, pressing option, return. There are several ways to do it. Unfortunately, in real-world use, it's very confusing. When you add things to the queue, they don't go to the end of the queue. They go ahead of everything else that's waiting in the queue, Um which means that if you've started playing a playlist and you decide, well, hey, I want to listen to this song afterwards, well, you can't really do that. You've got to put it there and then drag it down, and it's a little bit... It's hard to get a handle on. It's it's practical. 
if you're adding individual songs to the queue, but once you start playing albums or playlists, then things get a little bit confusing. That is odd, because uh, I use uh, Sonos Gear here, and they, with their application, they give you a lot of options when you add something to the queue. You can replace the queue, you can put it at the end, of, putting it at the end of the queue is the default, <clears throat> but you can you can edit the order of things in the queue, so it does seem sort of odd that it's, that it's just made it as uh, play now. Well, you can rearrange songs in the queue, but once as you add songs, um, they go to the top unless right, right. you drag them to the bottom of the queue. Now, if you're in a long playlist, you only see about 20 songs in the queue. So if you want to drag something to the bottom at the end of the playlist, you can't even get to the end of the playlist. Um, I, I, I really haven't figured it out yet. I mean, this has been, what, three, four days since it's been released, and I've been trying to understand the logic. Um, there are two options from a contextual menu. One is called Play Next, which means, to me, play it next after the current track, and that's what it does. The other one is called Add to Up Next, and when you choose that, it goes in exactly the same place. Now, mm. I don't know if this is a bug or if there's something I don't get. Why should the two commands do exactly the same thing? Um, as you say, with the Sonos, it, it makes sense. The default is you want to put it at the end of your queue. You've decided you want to listen to this album and these songs, and then after that, you want to listen to another one. So I'm, I'm kind of confused about it. Overall, I think it's a nice feature. Um, it does... iTunes DJ did have something very interesting where you could feed a playlist into it or your entire music library, and it would choose songs at random. Um, up next is not at all like that. It doesn't do the thinking for you. You have to choose what you want to listen to. So up next was a, a way of shuffle playing. Uh, sorry, iTunes DJ was a way of playing um, in shuffle mode or setting up your own order, whereas up next is only setting up your own order. Okay. Well, now we've talked about some of the high points. What about the low points? Well, it's the, the viewing options are the biggest problem. Um, when you launch the program, it's in what's called Albums View. And when you look at this, you have these icons for each of your albums. And they're not very large. You can't change their size. Um, on my 27-inch cinema display, they're 15 across and, I don't know, about 7 or 8 up. And this is just tremendous. It's huge. It's like looking at a, a billboard because there are too, they're too many of them and they're too small to really grasp them. Now, since you can't change their size, not only do they not get bigger, but the texts under the albums are limited to about 20 characters, so I'd say about half of my albums have titles that are truncated. This makes it really hard to figure out what's where. Now, I'm a visual person, and I recognize a, a lot of my album art, but some of it I'm not that familiar with, particularly um, classical music. Another thing in this view is that there's no, there are no letters saying A, B, C that you could quickly scan to spot, okay, I'm looking for an artist whose name starts with L, and you scroll until you see it. Um, I, I think this is, this is a, a failed view. I think it just shows a real misunderstanding of how people work with a music library. It works better on a smaller display, Um but still, these, these lack, this lack of landmarks and the short titles, this is a big mistake. They need to offer an option um, to make the, the, the icons bigger. Do you think then that this really was designed specifically for smaller screens with Apple thinking that's the way we're going? We're making these laptops that have smaller screens. Certainly the iMac is not that case, but, but in, in a lot of cases, people are using small screens. When you look at the iTunes store, 
it suggests that this is indeed the case. Um, if I narrow my window, again, on my 27-inch display, to about 60% of its width, there's no wasted space in the iTunes store. If I have it full screen, full width, there's plenty of blank space on either side of the store content. So it does look like it was maybe designed for a 15-inch display, um, you know, a MacBook Pro, rather than a large 27-inch display. Right. Um, but as you say, other... there are 27-inch there are iMacs, and, and these are popular computers too. So if you're going to make something that's going to be used on anything from a 13-inch to a 27-inch, it has to scale correctly, and this isn't what's happening. I wonder if that says something about the audience for this, that younger people may be using iTunes more than older people, and that tends to be the kind of computer they use. Well... Now, that was something I thought of when I looked at this album's view, which, is, again, is a default when you first launch iTunes 11. If we consider that younger people are listening more to songs than albums, why is the default view based on albums? This means that a single song has the same value visually right. as an entire album of a dozen songs or as, say, three songs off of an album. So if we're looking at a younger demographic that works more with songs... I was thinking, while it's not visually very pleasing, I was thinking maybe the albums could have like a badge on them showing the number of tracks in them or some way of indicating how many tracks they contain. Um, I, I'm not sure what's going on. I think Apple has to assume that you've got all kinds of people using this. And, and this goes from um, DJs with laptops to people in radio stations who, who use iTunes. So you've got to cover all bases and... It's kind of surprising that it seems like they didn't want to cover all bases. Uh, are there new features that we haven't covered yet? Well, we've got all these new views, and these are probably the most important and the most visible features. Um, it, it's obvious that what you see is what's going to surprise you the most. Um, we've talked about um, Up Next. Um, we didn't talk about the mini player. I mentioned it in passing. The mini player is a small floating controller. And in the past, it was basically nothing more than a controller. Um, it has play-pause buttons. It has next and previous. Um, before, it had a progress bar and a volume control. Um, the mini player in iTunes 11 is much more interesting because it gives you access to up next. It lets you search your library from the mini player. Um, and when you search, you can add songs to up next. So you could theoretically not look at the iTunes window and just use the mini player, floating over your windows, whatever you're doing, um, to do everything with iTunes. Now, there are a couple of problems with it. Because there's not a progress bar and the volume control is hidden behind an AirPlay icon, I think it's not ideal. Uh, it's not, uh, the, the progress bar isn't a lot of real estate to add to it. Um, but it's a nice feature. I like it, and I've been using it regularly. I've been keeping it floating over all my windows, and it does make it just a little bit easier um, to control iTunes. Um, another thing that's new is um, iTunes in the cloud. So iTunes in the cloud is the ability to get your past purchases. Um, in the store, you see this under the purchased link um, on the main page of the store. And you can go there and you can re-download your purchases. Now, by default, if you're logged into your iTunes store account, your iTunes library will show all of the content that's in the cloud, in other words, everything you've purchased that's not in your library. And these have little cloud icons on the corners of the album graphics 
or little cloud buttons next to the songs that you don't have. Um, this isn't iTunes Match, but it's the same concept. Um, iTunes Match hasn't changed, and I think we spoke about this last time that I was really hoping that they would change the 25,000 track limit um, for iTunes Match, which they haven't. Um, I did delete my iTunes Match library and start from scratch, and I found the same problems with albums not matching entirely, like 10 out of 12 songs matching and all of that, so that's no, you know, no, it doesn't look like anything's changed there. Um, we mentioned that the iTunes store is different. It's cleaner. Um, it's more minimalist. It resembles the iTunes display a lot more. However, two two things are missing, and a lot of people are grumbling about both of them. Um, the first is, do you remember there was this little, I don't remember what they called it. It wasn't Quick Look, but you would hover over an item. There would be a little eye icon in the bottom right corner, and when you click that, you'd get a pop-up, and so you'd see an album with its tracks or uh, um, um, a trailer for a movie or something like that. And they've removed that. The second thing they've removed is a power search, which allowed you to search for things by specific type of content um, or by composer or by date and things like that. And that too is gone. So um, while the store is cleaner, it seems that in terms of functionality, uh, they've removed a lot of things that people found useful. Yeah, I wanted to ask you about what else is missing. I know Join Tracks is gone. No. Oh, it's still uh-huh. there? Join Tracks is still there. Um, when you put a CD... So what's gone is the advanced menu in the first oh, place, right. and that's where Join Tracks was. But when you put a CD in, um, in the top right corner of the iTunes window, you get a little button that comes up, kind of like the View Option buttons. Um, and if you go in there, you get the Join Tracks uh, option. Uh-huh. Um, the Find Duplicates command is gone. And a lot of people really like that. Um, I'll give a plug to my friend Doug Adams' um, great app called Dupin, which finds duplicates much better than iTunes ever did. Um, he made sure to test it right away to make sure it works with iTunes 11. And now that there's no other way to find duplicates, well, you're going to have to look that up. Um, they got rid of the gapless playback tag. Now, this is something that very few people understood. Um, it's about time they got rid of it. The gapless playback tag had nothing to do with telling iTunes to play music gaplessly, as lots of people thought. All it did was to tell iTunes to play music gaplessly if you have crossfade on. So if your songs are set to, to fade the end of one track into the beginning of another, and they're playing in order, it'll play correctly instead of fading over one to another. Um... They got rid of it because no one understood it. They got rid of the cover flow view we mentioned earlier. They got rid of the iTunes sidebar. What they called the iTunes sidebar was the thing that displayed at the right. And it showed genius information and iTunes store information. And that was a big uh, addition a couple of years ago, maybe to iTunes 9. Um, and it was touted as you know the next big thing. Of course, Ping was touted as the next big thing with <laughs> iTunes 10, so... You know, at least at least they do get rid of the things that don't work or that aren't useful useful to anyone. Okay. Well, you mentioned Doug Adams, and I, I wanted to check on. Um, I know you talk to him fairly frequently. So, do we have an idea of how this update fares with Apple Script? So, should all Doug's scripts continue to work? They should. Now, he found a couple of things that don't work. I think he can't um, shuffle from from Apple Script. He can't turn on shuffle. Um, there were a couple of properties that were removed, but for the most part, he hasn't found anything that doesn't work. He hasn't found anything that's really broken. 
Um, there may be a couple of scripts that he'll have to retire because they used certain properties that aren't there, but these aren't his most important scripts. Um, yet yeah, Doug and I started talking as soon as this came out on Thursday, um, basically looking through it and comparing notes and saying, hey, this is gone, that's gone. Um, and then he kept me posted as he was testing things, and he basically didn't find too much. He was very worried before it came out that you know Apple Script support might be eliminated or reduced, but it looks like it's it's here to stay at least for the next version of iTunes. Oh, that's great. So, how does this work with large libraries? Well, those of us with large libraries are always facing problems with iTunes. iTunes is clearly designed for people with you know a few thousand songs. Um, the biggest problem that I've had is searching with large libraries. Now, I was so flabbergasted by how slow it was that I actually did a screencast and put it on my website. I did a search for Shake, S-H-A-K-E, which could search for Shakespeare or the Grateful Dead song Shakedown Street or, you know, a whole bunch of other things. I typed into the search field, and it literally took more than 30 seconds before the letters showed up, and I got search results. So there's 30 seconds of beach balling. Then when I went to delete those characters, the first three deleted quickly, but then it got stuck on the SH, and it took about 30 seconds for that to delete. Other searches are quicker. I don't know what it is about Shake as being a search that takes so long. Other searches maybe take 10 seconds. Um, I've seen on Apple's forums that people with even bigger libraries the, the program simply becomes becomes unusable. It just beach balls, and they can't stop it. Um, I did some tests with a smaller library, about 37,000 tracks, and the same search, the Shake search, that took 30 seconds only took about 8 seconds with that library. So it seems, and, and some other people tested with libraries a bit smaller, it seems that around 25,000 tracks, things start slowing down, and they, the slowness seems to increase exponentially as the size of the library increases. So at 25,000 tracks, it's a second. At 37,000, it's eight seconds. At my current library, 65,000, it was 30 seconds. Um, and someone posting on Apple's forum with 110,000 tracks basically said that, that it just became unresponsive. And were they comparing it to iTunes 10 and, and saying this is worse? Well, with iTunes 10, when I would do a search, it would never take more than a couple of seconds, even with a library this size. Now... Searching was different because it was, I don't know if this is the right word, it was an exclusionary search. In other words, as you would search, the content that would show up in the iTunes window would disappear, leaving only what matched. Now the search displays in its own menu, um, in a long list type menu. So nothing that's displayed in the main iTunes window is removed, which theoretically should be quicker because it's not redrawing the screen every time you type a letter. Um, but I never got to the point where, you know, a beach ball of two seconds was maybe the maximum that I ever saw. But 30 seconds is, is truly unthinkable for a program like this. Right. All right. Well, speaking of iTunes 10, who's going to want to roll back to iTunes 10 after playing with iTunes 11? Well, the conclusion to my review is basically that if you have a large library, you might want to think twice before upgrading. Um, rolling back to iTunes 10 is not very simple. Um, I run the macOS 10 Hints website for Macworld, and, and yesterday I posted a hint um, 
with a link to a, uh, an explanation as to how to do this, not only do you delete the application, but you have to bring back certain frameworks from a time machine backup, assuming you have a time machine backup. Um, it's not as simple as just removing iTunes 11 and reinstalling iTunes 10. I think, you know, there are two problems. Um, there's going to be a point when you need iTunes 11 for something, maybe to sync an iOS device. It won't be this year, because there's always a couple of years of a difference um, with those sort of things. Um, but if you really have a big library and you really want to have this album list view, which is important, you want to have a better song list view, um, look at how it looks on a different computer before you commit yourself or you know, take some time before you make the change until you're really sure you want to change because you might be very, very disappointed with what you say. Well, I know you're the Ask the iTunes guy, but is there an alternative? If you have a large library, you, you're not happy with either iTunes 10 or 11, what options do you have? There aren't a lot of options that can handle a large library very well. I've actually seen one recently, someone who's working on a product that he's going to start marketing soon, but it doesn't run on a Mac. Um, it runs on Linux. It's lightning fast, and you can search for anything with multiple search criteria. Um, it's the database is optimized for, you know, even with hundreds of thousands of tracks. The big problem here is that if you want to take advantage of everything else that the Apple ecosystem offers, and that's an iPhone, an iPad, an iPod, and that's AirPlay and the Apple TV, then you don't have a choice. There's nothing else that's going to interface um, with those devices. Right. So uh, we will just hope for performance enhancements in the well, uh, we have future, to hope, I guess. We have to hope for performance enhancements and Apple re restoring certain view options. And I mean, my, I, I may sound pretty grumpy. And if you read my review, there's a bit of grumpiness in it. Um, but I'm not alone. Uh, I've been following the, the chatter on the web and, and, and in forums and things like that. And I'm not really saying anything that a lot of people aren't saying. Um, there, there is that subset of iTunes users that has large libraries that uses iTunes to organize music um, and not just to listen to it. And these people, I think, are important. They're, they're certainly not a majority. If it's 5% of iTunes users or even 3%, I don't know. Um, but these people are certainly disappointed. Let, let me just add one other thing that's been removed, which is a big disappointment to classical music fans. There's no way you can view your, view your music by composer anymore. You can view by album, by artist, or by genre, but you can't view by composer. And now, I've always taken the choice to put composers' names in the artist tag. It makes it easier on iPods and all that. But if you don't do that, and if you have an artist in the artist tag and a composer in the composer tag, um, then definitely avoid iTunes 11 because you simply can't sort your music um, in the way that you're used to finding it. Even in song view, there's no way to to view a composer. You, you can, column? you can, yes, you can view you can view any column in song view. That's the only one where you get the choice of columns anymore. Um, the problem is songs view uh, is just a sterile list with no album art and nothing to mark the, the the nothing to demarcate one album from another. So it's very hard to look through. Um, now you can use the column browser, but only at the top of the window, not at the left. And you can therefore click on, say, genre, composer, and find your albums. But Songview just isn't very user-friendly anymore. Mm -hmm. Right. Okay, well, you talked about the people who are upset about this. So who really is this update best for? 
I think this is designed for people with small libraries, maybe who use iTunes Match. Um, and what surprises me is that the new features seem to be designed more for listening to music than organizing it. Now, this surprises me because the trend is more towards mobile devices, iPhones, iPods, things like that. And for Apple to come back to making iTunes a jukebox, something that you're going to look at to listen to, seems a little bit surprising. Now, maybe they know something that I don't, that more people are listening to iTunes than one would think. I don't know. Um, I, I get the feeling, you know, I get hundreds of questions every month um, for the Ask the iTunes columns, and a lot of them are about organizing um, playlists and, you know, viewing and things like that. I don't get many questions about playing, maybe because it's relatively simple, um, but it doesn't seem to be, the, the people don't seem to be concerned, they don't seem to have problems with that aspect of iTunes. Um, and as, Now, as I said earlier, again, this focus on the album instead of the song or the playlist is also surprising because it doesn't seem to be the same demographic that they're really targeting with, you know, the iPod and the iPhone. Unless, of course, they, they realize that that demographic is saturated and now they're coming back to the older people. I don't know. Um, I'm not really sure. But I do see it as a tool for listening, and particularly the Up Next um, queue is designed for listening, and less a tool for organizing a library. Well, you know, it's possible that it's being designed for younger people, but it's being designed by older people who haven't gotten the clue yet that albums aren't all it. Yeah, but in the past, we didn't see this sort of approach to albums. If you remember on iTunes 10 when they introduced Album List View, that was the one which is like List View, but it shows the album art. It showed the album art at the left side of the sort of main part of the iTunes window. And if there weren't too many songs, by default, it wouldn't show the album art, um, depending on which size you chose, and there were a lot of options. And when Steve Jobs introduced that, I remember him saying something to the effect that, you know, if you have an album, okay, you're going to see it, but if you have just a single song, it's going to stand out because it doesn't have the art and there's just one line in the display and there's a space between each entry, between each album entry and, and all that. And it made it really easy to spot at a glance whether you had an album, a song, a half a dozen songs, three songs or whatever. Um, and that's exactly the opposite of what we're seeing now. Well, I wonder if this is part of the iOSification of of OS ten that they've they believe they've learned certain lessons on the iOS and they say people really like album art because it's pretty and it makes this a more attractive interface. So that's the way we're going to go. Well, that's true. But if you look at the music app on iOS, you can view your music by songs, by artists, by composers, by playlists, um, by genres, by compilations, etc. And when you look at them, you do see album art before the names, before the, before the titles, but you don't see that sort of tiled interface where the album art takes up most of the space. The, the main interface really is text um, on iOS. Now, now We, we may okay. have to put down $5 on what happens on iOS 7. This is true, perhaps. Um, I, I need to cor- correct something. It's true that on the iPad, it is a sort of tile-based um, interface, but you still have the same options to view songs and albums, composers and genres and all that. Um, on the iPhone, it's not tile-based yet. Um, maybe you're right. Maybe in iOS 7, they're going to change it. It's a lot harder on a small display um, to look at a lot of music like that, and, and text actually makes a lot of sense on an iPhone or an iPod. Um, 
I think more people probably listen to music on an iPhone than an iPad. It's more portable. Um, but yeah, is this is, is I, iTunes has adopted some of the, the styles of pop-up menus that we see in iOS, and maybe iOS is going to adopt some of these things, you know, some of these approaches in the future. I, I'm just disappointed that Apple removed what were clearly logical and sensible ways to view content in iTunes. I mean, it, it's, no, it's no big expense to have left that album list view that we had previously. Um, right. It's just, you know, however many lines of code it is, they already had it. So them taking it out is, is kind of surprising. I can understand getting rid of cover flow view. Maybe they know that not many people use it. Um, although I've read a number of people in forums saying it's my favorite view. Um, but I think it's just, I don't know, just o- overall, when I look at this, I, I just scratch my head and trying to think, what were they thinking? I mean, in, in albums view with this sort of mosaic, you don't have anything to tell you where one letter starts and another one ends. Um, he- here's something that's really odd. Compilation albums are grouped at the end in albums view. That's okay. But when you look at a compilation album, it, the, the name of the artist is the name of the artist of the first track. It doesn't say various artists. So it's extremely confusing. You don't know where your compilations begin. Um, again, as I said, that the, the, the titles are truncated at about 20 characters. Makes it hard to read a lot of the things as well. I don't know. I'm just I'm kind of disappointed. Um, there are a lot of interesting new features. I said earlier the, the playlist creation, the up next feature is quite interesting. But all of the view options have me befuddled. So are you going to stick with iTunes 11 or are you going back to 10? Well, I don't have much of a choice since I have to write about it. Um, I could use iTunes 10 as m- on my main computer and iTunes 11 on my laptop, which would allow me to be familiar. But it's really important for me to know how this works, to be able to answer questions, um, to update my Take Control of iTunes book, and to write the many articles I write. So I- if I didn't do this for a living, yeah, I would go back to iTunes 10 for sure. Okay. Well, again, you can find Kirk's review on Macworld.com. And thank you very much for being here, Kirk. Thanks for having me again, Chris. And that wraps up this edition of the Macworld Podcast. I'd like to thank Kirk McAlern and, of course, you for listening. If you have any comments or questions, feel free to drop us a line at podcast at Macworld.com. Or you can leave us a voicemail at 415-967-3622. This is Chris Breen reminding you that you can find more Apple, macOS, iOS, and technology news, views, and information at Macworld.com. See you around.